Thanks for checking out the Airborne Youth Podcast. This week you'll be hearing a teaching from Ben Evenson. Okay, we're doing this theme, right? First kiss, we're talking about love, right? And all this stuff. And I had this word really major drop in my spirit on Sunday. And kind of been brewing a little bit, but it kind of got some language on Sunday um, for Lyft. So those of you who are there will get a little bit of this again, but it's a whole different vein because I had a few days to simmer on this, right? Yes. How many know that chili is way better the second time we eat it up? Am I right? The first time mom makes chili, it's like, that was good. But then it sits in the fridge and you reheat it and it's all just like juiced up, thickened, and it is a hundred times better, right? Leftover chili is like the bomb diggity. Not all foods can do that, but chili is there, right? You know? So here's the question I have for you to start tonight. Tell me about doctors. What is it? Like, give me some facts and characteristics of doctors. What? They help people. What else? What? They're smart. They have bad handwriting. Dr. Seuss, they're funny. They rhyme with words that don't exist. Right? I wish I could make up any word I wanted and people would pay money for it. Like, that's amazing. Yeah. Caring. Doctors are caring. What else? What? They what? Click pens? They like to click pens, really? Does anyone have a doctor that does that? I don't I've not noticed that, okay? What else did I hear back here? They make money. They make mad bank, right? Seriously, some serious cash money, right? They know how to fix your body. They know how to fix things, right? That's why I like them. I like to fix things. They, they do. So do secretaries. But, you know, I'm just kidding. That's good. What else? What else about doctors? What? Awkward, some of them. I've known some really nice doctors that are not, but yeah. Moving on. They cure people's sicknesses. What else? They help Gavin's foot that's bleeding again. My goodness. Wear socks and shoes until it gets better, okay? That's a word from the Lord. Well, it's like he's got this open wound on his foot, and he plays God got barefoot again. And he's like, you stepped on me. Yes. Whatever. I don't care. Ew. Okay, doctors. What else about doctors? What? A lot of school, right? You hear about that. You're like, oh, my word. So talk to me about that, right? You go to, you go to four years of college to be a doctor. And then after that, like, what's that degree? That's pre-med, right? Four years of pre-med degree. And then after that, you go to what? Another two years or four years of medical school. And then what? Two years as a what? As a resident. Residency in a hospital, right? Where you're like the resident. Four years of residency. Then what? What is a fellowship then? Isn't there, is it fellowship after residency? I think it, I feel like it is. That's my best understanding because I watch a lot of TV doctor shows. So I really understand this stuff. You know, you got your fellowship. And then I think after, 
fellowship or something. I don't understand that. Okay, they're the fellow on the, of the hospital, right? That's usually like near the top dog or something to that effect. Okay, so there's this hierarchy of being a doctor, and my wife and I really love the, the show Chicago Med. Does anybody watch that? Yeah, you gotta ignore some of the trash because it's drama on TV. Like, so you just like we DVR it, so we fast forward anything that we don't want to watch, right? What? We don't have time for this. Okay, so here's the deal. I love you, but tell me afterwards, okay? It's like when it starts whenever I was younger, it's like, oh. You can come lay on my couch in my office and tell me all about it, okay? Anyway, ha. All right, so seriously, I love Chicago PD, Chicago Fire, and Chicago Med is the coolest concept ever. Three shows with all the same actors that cross over. So three nights a week you get a fix on your addiction. Because how awful is it to wait seven days to your next episode of your show? Seriously! I'm a real person, okay? Yes, I watch. I'm addicted to certain TV shows, but let me tell you, the DVR has saved my life. Okay? Here we go. Oh, they do have cliffhangers. It's so great. But, okay, so listen up. Doctors are really phenomenal, and I want you to bookmark that thought, okay? And we're going to go, if you have a Bible or the app or anything like that, open it. If you want to go get a Bible, you can run quick, but you don't need to, unless you need to. Okay, go. Matthew 14, if you're looking it up, if you're going to track, or if you just trust me, that's totally cool, I promise. I need this different. There we go. Okay, Matthew chapter 14. There's this whole thing that happens when Jesus is out teaching on a hillside one day and all of a sudden these people start coming. Lots and lots of people. Anyone want to guess about how many came? 5,000. 5,000. Dang, man, you guys know your Bible. Know the word, okay? 5,000 men, okay? So they only counted the men. It's just a cultural thing. Don't take it personally, girls, Okay. So we can assume that there was probably nearly an equal number of women and children. So somewhere in the ballpark of 12,000 people. That's a lot of people to talk to on a hillside with no microphone. But it's also why Jesus very frequently would talk next to a lake on a hillside. Do you know why? Because water acts as an amplifier. So Jesus would often stand out you know, maybe 50, 60 feet out in the water in a boat and talk and the water would amplify his voice and wash right up the hill and could reach 12,000 people without any electricity. Physics, science lesson. How cool is that? Have you ever, have you ever been by a lake at night and you talk or you hear someone talk on the other side at just a normal voice? You can hear every word. It's like, whoa. So this is why Jesus would hang out around lakes all the time. Because crowds would be following and he would be teaching them on these hillsides. So it says right here, Jesus, you know, all these people have been listening to Jesus all day long for hours. And his disciples come and say, dude, Jesus, they're hungry. Jesus is like, well, feed them. There's 12 of you. Like, let's make this real. Okay, you're like, yeah, okay, man, I know the story. No, there's 12 of you and you come up to me and say, hey, man, there's like 12,000 people up here and they're really hungry. And I just go, well, feed them. You guys all pull out your wallets like, I got $20. I got a 20. You know, like, and you just start going like, Jesus, you don't understand. Like, have you opened your eyes? There's a lot of people here. 
And Jesus goes, well, what do we have? You know, and so they go and ask around, and this little boy has his fish, you know, and his loaves. And Jesus takes it and goes, yeah, that'll do. And he prays for it, and he breaks it, and he feeds 12,000 people with a lunchbox. I don't, like, you try to put yourself there. It's like, oh, yeah, I've heard this nice Bible story. Sometimes we do that, and we totally take away the glory of God when we just go like, yeah, I've heard that story. That's nice. 12,000 people, that's like the giant center packed, eating from your lunchbox. And after they were all done eating and everyone was happy and full and satisfied, and we know they were happy and full and satisfied, why? Because there was what was left over afterwards. 12 baskets full of food. Do you try, like, what? Probably, like, I don't know, but there, but... I would say, like, typically in that culture, there would be baskets that would be like the type you picture people wearing on their heads in, like, third world countries. Like, large, probably, yay tall, big, you know, couple feet around, like, basketball hoop diameter, maybe. Big baskets, 12 of them full. I don't care if they're, like, offering baskets. If you have 12 leftover after a lunchbox and 12,000 people ate, I don't care if they're this big of baskets. That's impressive. If there were 12 handfuls left over, we'd be in really good shape. You make, like, does this make sense? So after all this happens, you know, Jesus is kind of like, you know, that was, that was cool. I, I just, I picture Jesus, like, with such a personality and a little bit of sass in everything that he did. I think everybody thinks Jesus was just like, you know, you guys go feed them. You know, right? We've watched the old Ten Commandments movies. You guys just go feed the dying holy people. You know, it's kind of like, you know, Jesus was like, guys, take care of it. I'm preaching. Come on, you know, because he knows what's going to happen. So he's like, I just want to see what they do. Go, go feed them. You know, like, Jesus was, like, hysterical in how he, he had to be. He had to be one of those people that everybody loved to be around. Or 12,000 people wouldn't have been there to start with. Yeah, this was... Yeah, well, that's all politics, too. That's, we'll get into that. We won't get into that. Okay? But 12,000 people, even if half of them were out to go, like, I don't like this guy, they were there to listen. And how many of you know 12,000 people don't show up to watch somebody with no influence? Ever. Not ever. Not ever, ever, ever will people go, like, what's going on? 12,000 people on a hillside and starve to death in the process. Not to death, but these people were starving. So they didn't go like, this guy's boring. I'm going home for dinner. They were like, no, we can't leave because it's so good. Feed us. We're hungry so we can stay. So he did. Jesus is good like that. And then after he feeds them, what does he do? Sends them home. <laughs> Think about it. It's kind of like, now you fed everybody. They're good to go for a while. And Jesus is like, okay, go home. Just to show he was God. Okay. But that's not even where we're ending. Right after this, it says, Jesus went off by himself, okay, up onto the mountain, and he made his disciples get in the boat and head across the lake to the other side, because that's where they were going the next day. Jesus says, I'll catch up. I wonder if, if the disciples are kind of like, I'm taking the boat. <laughs> How are you going to catch up, right? Like, or they probably were like, okay. You know, like, they weren't really that smart of guys, which is so helpful for me to know that Jesus picked 12 guys that weren't that brilliant. And he's like, Amen. you guys go, I'll catch up. And they're like, Oop. you know, big lake, right? Big lake. It's not like a pond. Okay. It's not like 
reservoir park up here. Like, no, 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 you're going to not even see across this lake. Can't see the other side. Big lake, okay? And how do we know that? The story continues, right? The disciples go out, it gets to be really late at night, and what happens? Storms and all that stuff happen, right? Okay, this happens, right? So there's this big storm going on. It's not the one where Jesus was sleeping in the boat, but it comes out, and they're in this crazy storm. And so Jesus comes walking to them. He's like, I said I'd catch up. <laughs> right? So he, so all of a sudden the disciples are out, you know, they're sailing across the thing, and it's like, you know, there's obviously some waves. We'll hear about that later in the story, right? So there's stuff going on, and all of a sudden they look out, and they're like, it's a ghost! I know, yeah, like Hollywood's got nothing on the Bible. Okay, they're like ghost stories and zombies, like dead people getting out of the graves and walking around. It happened in the Bible way before Hollywood ever figured it out, Okay. Seriously, they're like, it's a ghost. They're like freaking out. They're like, oh, no, no, that's Jesus. Because it's a white robe with a blue sash. Of course, that's what Jesus had, right? They're like, oh, that's Jesus. When he got closer, they're like, oh, that's okay, good. Okay, and I love this story. I love this story because this is right after they just watched 12,000 people get fed with a lunchbox, you know, and they're out there, and like, Jesus is coming. So they're all pretty, like, spiritually charged. How many of you have ever seen a miracle happen? Okay, can you like relate to that feeling for the next, you know, maybe day or week or month after that, where you're like spiritually there's something inside you that's like, anything could happen, anything, right? Like I've seen clouds, I've seen storms split, blue skies go like around things, like outdoor events and just like, you know, I've seen chicken multiplied to like 400 people and it was only enough for like 100. I've seen it with my own eyes and like there's something inside of you Right? I've seen healings. We've had legs grow out in this room. We've had collarbones get miraculously healed in this room. Like, stuff like that happens. And do you guys remember? How many of you were here that night and prayed with David? Right? After I busted his collarbone on the slip, it's like, yes. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. It was broken and God wanted to show off. Right? So he's in a sling and we pray for him in the middle of worship. I don't know who all had their hands on him. It doesn't matter. Jesus did the healing. Right? Okay, but all of a sudden, David rips off his sling and starts swinging his arms around in worship. I know, we're all so, like, tame now in worship. Like, yeah, come and consume the whole the water. Yeah, it's good. Like, come on, let's be a little rowdy once in a while, okay? So David goes nuts. Do you remember this? Yeah, you do. I'm serious. It's like, oh, yeah, I remember that. Like, David remembers it really well. Okay, so... All the disciples are in this boat. Jesus is coming out across. And Peter, who's like super hyped up on this miraculous thing, is kind of like, Jesus, tell me to come out to you on the water. Because Jesus is walking on the water. If you didn't catch that yet, he didn't come in a boat. Okay? Jesus is out on the water, walking in the lake, way out there. And Peter says, Jesus, I want to come out to talk to you. I want to walk on the water too. He gets all excited because he just saw a miracle. This was like just a few hours before and Jesus says, all right, cool. He's not like, come, my child. <laughs> you know, I picture Jesus, and I don't know, I picture Jesus totally, you know, doing Michael Jackson before Michael Jackson did. He's out on the water. His disciples are all freaked out because he's a ghost. He's like, these guys, man, this is going to be fun. So, you know, you can see him like, Woo, like, I can't do it. But moonwalk in the water. I just don't picture Jesus. Hands out, halo glowing around his head in the middle of the night, like, like, I'm sorry if that's your Jesus, 
But I just like, there's nothing that attractive about that. But Peter was like charged up. He's like, I want to do it too. And Jesus is like, let's go. So then it's like, you can imagine Peter maybe going like, he was either like, sweet, and like jumped out of the boat, like you jump over a fence, you know, like, hands up. Or he was like, oh crap, he actually asked me to come out of the boat. Like, I don't know, but he was probably charged up enough to be like, yeah, yeah, all right. So he climbs over the boat and he starts walking to Jesus. We don't know how far he walked or whatever, but it says he was walking on the water. And then suddenly, Peter does what? He's suddenly, in all of the amazing miraculous that he's totally wrapped up in in the last several hours, goes, oh, crap. And he suddenly moves from this belief system that says, God is, God does, God is amazing. I can do anything I'm walking on water to. I am going to drown. I don't, maybe he could, I guess he can't swim. Is it possible that Peter couldn't swim? So suddenly he gets out there and he's like, didn't think this through. So he panics. He starts looking at the wind and the waves, right? That's how we know there's like a storm going on, okay, right? So Peter, all of a sudden, at the minute he steps into doubt and steps out of the understanding of God's greatness in his life and what is happening all around him, the minute he does, he sinks. Scary, right? And, you know, if he could swim, it wouldn't be that big a problem. But obviously it was a problem because he was terrified. Jesus runs over like, oh, man, come on. That was crazy. Picks him up. I don't know. Throws him on his shoulder. Hikes him back to the boat. Peter's like, <clears throat> you know, like fish in his mouth. I don't know. Like, I picture Princess Bride with the shrieking eels. Right? He steps, you know, he's like, he's like, and it's like, you know, like, you get picture, right? And Peter's like, help, help, right? And then they club the eel and they pull her over the side, and right? So Peter gets back in the boat, and you can imagine he's a little bit bummed out. Anybody ever felt that feeling before? That whole, like, God, you can do anything. You can go out on a limb, and then doubt enters, something happens, and all of a sudden you're just like, ow, oh, crap. Didn't go how I thought it would. Anybody ever prayed for someone to get healed and it didn't happen? Yeah, we've experienced that. And it's like that same feeling. Peter was like, took the leap, total faith, stepped out in it, and somewhere in the mix, and I don't understand the dynamics of how much faith you have to have for something to happen, but there's something where God cooperates with our faith and our belief and goes like, yes, let's get it done. But we have a part in it. Jesus didn't just like levitate Peter out of the boat. He said, Peter, come, do it. Do it. Do it. Just do it. I'm sorry, I just spit on Talia. Do you get this? Jesus did not manipulate Peter to anything, but he provided an opportunity that seemed crazy. And it worked out really well. And this is the next part that I want to go. So it goes on. We got this story, and I don't know what the rest of the night was like. You know, because Jesus kind of rebukes Peter. He's like, what were you thinking? You of little faith. Why did you doubt? Kind of like, thanks, Jesus. I already realized I screwed up. <laughs> you know, but Jesus has to be like, pointed out. Like, Jesus has this ability. God has this ability to speak truth into our life. Oops, sorry. 
Right? And John said this brilliantly on Sunday, if you were in the service, this ability to really call you into order in a way that often, as John said, brings often brings an injury in the process. You're kind of like, you know, you can picture Peter go like, he's laying there on the deck, like, oh my gosh, that was a thing. I walked on, and boom, and Jesus is like, why did you doubt you of little faith? Peter's like, thanks for the encouragement. I think sometimes we think and expect that Jesus is just going to be like, oh, it's okay, you're going to be all right. <laughs> sometimes Jesus needs to get in our face to tell us what this looks like to move into the next season of life. Right? So here's the next part of this story. So they land on the other side of the, on, on the, other side of the, the lake, right? And it says right here, um, where is it? When they had crossed over, verse 34, if you're right there, and, we, and they landed in Genesaret. I don't know where that is. Or Genesaret. Maybe that's what it is if it's French. Okay. And when the men of that place recognized Jesus, they sent word to all the surrounding country. People brought all their sick to him and begged him to just let the sick touch the edge of his cloak, his like white robe with blue sash. Okay. They begged, they said, they brought all the sick people, and they begged Jesus, just let the sick people touch your robe. And Jesus, being cool like he was, he's like, I, he's like, you know, that's a lot of people, I may not be able to touch everybody, lay hands on them and see them. He's like, okay, let's do that. And it says right here, and it says, all who touched him were healed. Not like some, not the ones who had a lot of faith, not the ones, some of them, I can imagine, were totally crippled, paralyzed, you know, like leprosy, skin's falling off, arms have fallen off, all this kind of stuff, right? And all the sick, they said, they heard Jesus was in town, and they're like, send word, bring all the sick people, because this guy had a reputation. And they said, Jesus, just let, I know there's a lot, but if you could just let each of these people touch your robe, we, want, we, we believe they'll be healed. Some of these people might not have even known who Jesus was that were sick. But their friends drug them over, like Dylan said, drug them into the fire and said, here, like, you know, like slap them up against Jesus' robe. Or, you know, they like grab Jesus' robe, like, come over here, like rub it on the guy's face. And I don't, like, it's not as, like, sterile as you think. Okay? Because this is, like, dangerous, too. It's kind of like, we could, like, seriously transmit some weird blood diseases. Because they're like, this guy with leprosy is touching the robe, and then this guy over here, like, he might get healed of being crippled, but now he's got leprosy because he touched the robe that the leprosy guy touched. And like, this is not sanitary doctor conditions. <laughs> this is, I don't know, could be hundreds. I would think in a whole countryside, there's a lot of sick people in a world where there really wasn't medical care. So you can, I don't, I don't know. It doesn't tell us a number, and I guess we can just imagine. But it says, and this is all within probably 14 hours, that he feeds 12,000 people, walks on water, Peter does, pulls him into the boat, they show up in the next town, all the sick people come to Jesus. All of them get healed. Here's the word I've got for you guys. Love is the answer. Jesus loved these people in such a way that they were drawn into the world that he existed in. And like Dylan said, when you catch fire, 
How many of you ever watched a person burning? Like really on TV, right? You're like, do you just go like, oh, no, no, no. You're totally like, it's like passing an accident on the highway, right? You're not like, oh, don't look. Come on, right? It's called rubbernecking for a reason. You're like, slow down, right? There's no lanes blocked, but traffic moves two miles an hour. Because when something out of the ordinary is going on, I keep kicking your boots, I'm so sorry. Anyway, when something out of the ordinary happens in your life, people notice it. Jesus was one of these people, and everywhere he went, he carried something that people went, we're going. 12,000 people gather on a hillside, sit out there and starve just to hear what he's got to say. The whole countryside will drag all their sick people out just to touch this guy's robe because Jesus was the great physician, the great doctor. And all of the things you guys said about doctors, they're brilliant, they get paid big cash money, God's got quite a bit of money, okay, right? Loving, kind, they help people, they heal people. I would say they know the answer. I love watching Chicago men. Because every case that comes in is on the edge of death. Right? I mean, sometimes it's just like, ooh, there's like an arm missing. Let's fix that, okay? But you never look, you never ever see the doctors go, oh, oh it's my break time. No, no, no. Every doctor, they're like on their way out. They've like clocked out. They went to their little locker. They all have a locker room, Right? They all go to their locker, they get their coat, they're walking out, and this boom, gurney comes flying in. What do they do? They're like, rip their coat off, drop it. They're like, oh man, let's go, and we need a CT, this, and we need a, this, and like, right, happy, that's clear, boom. Like, they all have the answer, and why, listen to me. Don't you think it's significant that when people get hurt, people need help, people are dying, they know where to go? Right? Whoa, right? Because, like, seriously, it's, like, not one of these things that's going to happen. Like, your friend, like, you're playing in the treehouse or something, somebody falls, and, like, their neck's crooked, you know? You're not going to be like, where's the nearest restaurant? That, like, you're like, because I'm hungry. You're not going to go, like, hmm, is there a bar nearby? Let's go and get a drink. I hope you don't. But I'm going to say it, right? You don't go where the answer doesn't exist. So here's the deal. You guys, and I said this to the middle schoolers on Sunday. Let's call Life Center a hospital. Let's call this room an ER. Isn't that more fun? So listen, who's the doctors and nurses in this hospital? All y'all. Oh, y'all. Yeah, I know. Like, we got, like, we got, like, Stu's, the, like, resident psychologist back there that, like, talk to you about anything that's going on in your life, right? You got, like, I don't know, Amelia is, like, that lady who's always in the middle of the ER and just tells everybody what to do. Right? Listen to me. You guys who have come here more than twice are no longer patients in this hospital. Come on. Do you follow? 
Get this though. You are doctors. You are nurses. You are on your residence. You're in your fellowship. Whatever it might be, however long you've been here, and what you've learned, the point is you have the cure. Come on. Hallelujah. Right? And I shared this, and I heard this years ago from a guy named Jay Baker who shared the biggest problem with the church today, the church, not like the church, okay? The church, the American church, the Christian church, is that we are we have created ourselves, set us ourselves up as a hospital that requires people to stop bleeding before they come in. Hmm. What kind of hospital? Right, like, yeah, it's like, oh, you don't come in here dressed like that, smoking a joint and chewing tobacco, like, psh. Like, seriously, church gets, like, real, like, oh, no, I can smell you had pot. Bad person. This is, like, the American church is so scared of bleeding that we go, we're a hospital for the Holy Spirit. That's great. Blood! Keep them in their own small group. Right? We get like, oh my word, they dressed on me. We get really afraid of the thing that we're the only one who has the cure for. What would happen if they rolled the gurney into the ER and all the doctors went, no, 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 that one's gone. That's like, that, guess how long people would bring their sick to that hospital? They might for like a week until the word spreads. Dude, they don't take sick people there. They just push them back out the door and make them get better somewhere else. And then they take you when you're all healthy. A hospital's a really cool country club for all the healthy people. Guys, I'm speaking real because we all go through like, we're all like, oh, yeah, you know. But here's the other reality, okay? Even on these medical shows on TV, because that's as real as it gets for me, I guess. I don't know. Okay, I know it's not real. But once in a while, probably, I would guess in a season or two, pretty much every doctor in the hospital ends up with their own problem. But they know where to go because they're surrounded by people like themselves who know the solution and know how to fix it. So a doctor doesn't like cut off his thumb and come in with his like, you know, in his scrubs and just walk around the hospital for two weeks with his hand in his pocket like, I ain't got nothing wrong, fine. And then I like, get into surgery and the nurse was like, why don't you just believe? You know, like, it's like, oh, it's cause I'm, you know, perfecting my new skill. <laughs> Do you get the comparison I'm drawing here that we like, yes, you're doctors and nurses, doesn't mean you're invincible people. We get it. Injuries happen to the people of God. You have bad days, you have bad weeks, you fall into sin. It does occur, but where do you go with it? You just show up in the hospital and sit there and You don't walk into the hospital and wait in the waiting room with your injury and go, that's better, yes, the stuff. All healed, going home. You go to the hospital when something's wrong because you need what? 
treatment. You need to tell a doctor, okay? Who's the doctors? Raise your hand. Who? Come on. You tell a doctor, dude, I totally got my finger chopped off this week. Right? And since you're, listen, you're surrounded by a whole bunch of doctors, they go, holy crap, we know what to do about that. Let's pray together. We love you. You know what? We're going to encourage you in that. Okay? Now listen, I don't want to like normalize sin. I don't in any way. Like we have, you know, we lose fingers. We get injuries. We have a bad day. We have a bad, bad week. I said this on Sunday. Listen, I'll be the first to say, I am not perfect. But I'll also be the first to say that that is not okay. I am not okay with the fact that I still sin. I do. I still fall and I'm like, pisses me off. I said that in church, okay? But seriously, sometimes we talk about, oh, Jesus, Jesus forgives, so it's cool. You're just a sinner saved by grace. Keep going. That's the same as walking into a hospital and being like, cut my thumb off. I don't need it. It's not okay that you cut your thumb off. But you don't hide in shame and go, I'm not going to tell anybody you're coming with off because it doesn't get healed when you hide it. Come on, church. What happens when 300 young people are packed into this room? That's my receipt. That fell out of my pocket. Sorry. What happens, right? What happens when 300 high schoolers pack this room because they begin to know that this is the place you go to get loved, to get prayed for, to get healed. They hear that airborne is meeting Wednesday night and they spread the word to all the countryside and they bring all their sick and beg to just touch the garment of Jesus for one moment because they've heard what happens here. Do those 300 people come in here like, ooh, we're squeaky clean, clean Christians, just like all y'all. You're perfect, we're perfect, let's all do this together. How stupid is that? You just end up depressed because you know you're lying and you know they're lying and it's just like, this is stupid. But when they walk in here hurting, sick, broken people, we got triage nurses, doctors, diving all over the place to love into people. Are you with me? Can we play something up here, Andy? Somebody here, just play something. We're going to finish. Two minutes, okay? Wow, it's late. I love it. It's a school night. You don't want to go to bed anyway. Okay? Stand up. So, I need you guys in the front row to scoot, like, at least to the carpets and back. Just give me some space up here. Now, here's the deal. Guys. I said this tonight, you're all doctors and you're all nurses in this house, okay? But here's the reality, I speak that to you because it's true, but it only happens if you take it. Jesus didn't levitate Peter out of the boat. He said, Peter, come out of the boat, you can walk on water. He told him who he was, he told him what was true, but Peter had to do it. So I tell you, you are doctors and nurses that have the love of Jesus. You have the love of God. You know that you're genuinely loved. So stop lying to yourself and playing victim. 
Step into it. Be a doctor. Be a nurse when you walk into this place. Look for the sick. Don't get caught up in your cubicle over here looking in your locker, you know, like, not literal lockers, okay? Don't get caught up in like, ooh, I got my own drama, my own TV drama going on. Walk in and go, there's sick people here. Might be your best friend, might be the person you've never talked to before, but guess what? Sickness happens and you have the solution to it. So here's the dream. And it's been the dream since like Brian was youth pastor and it was like, Student-run, student-led ministry. This is what this looks like. Doctors and nurses that own this place. So all us old fogies are just the ones looking back. You know, we're doing the book work. And, you know, we're just watching. Like, hey, you go there, there, there. Okay, like. But what that takes, you know, with 300 more teenagers back in here, us old people are going to be like, uh, okay, all right. You know, we need all 70 of you or whatever that are standing in this room activated, going after it. I'm a doctor. I know the solution. Let's get a team around this person and like shock the life into them. Come on, clear. Like we can. This podcast was recorded live at a Wednesday night youth meeting. To find out more, check us out on Facebook and Instagram by searching Airborne Youth.